Welcome back to Gaming with Gage, your podcast for role-playing games and the periphery. Thanks for being here. And welcome to this very special topic episode, Oops, I Killed My Players, where uh, Amanda came on the show and we talked about the most recent game that I ran where I made a lot of really rookie mistakes and ended up causing a TPK. And not all TPKs are caused by a GM, but this one definitely was. So you can hear us kind of going through what happened exactly, how I think we got there, and plans from the future. That way you can learn from my mistakes. As always, we ask that you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And with all of that out of the way, let's jump into Oops, I Killed My Players. Okay, so back on the show is Amanda Holmes, Nay Ver- no, Amanda Varino, Nay Holmes, Amanda Holmes, Nay Varino, no, Amanda, Amanda. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. On this episode, we have frequently requested star of the show, Amanda Holmes slash Verino. Are you the Are you the star? Whoa! Are you the star of the show? Guys, guys, stop clapping. Stop clapping. Are you, are you the star of the show? No, not really. I was just being silly. I say my name's in the title and I'm not even the star of the show. Of course you're the star of the show. No, gaming is the star of this show. Wow. Speaking <laughs> of gaming... Yeah, so you're on the show, so I'm sure people can guess that means that this is going to be one of two episodes. I mean, they don't actually have to guess because the topic episode title appears in their podcatcher, but we are not doing Who's Agatha, so we are nope. doing a topic episode. Woohoo! Do you want to tell them what the topic is? Oops, I killed them again. <laughs> oops. <laughs> what oops, is it? Oops, I killed my players. There it is. So we are going to talk about uh, our current home game, even though it's... Well, it's not current because they all did. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our current home game and what happened when uh, we went into a season finale scenario. Spoiler, I killed all my players. <laughs> so for a little bit of backstory, we have been running through East Texas University, which is our favorite setting in Savage Worlds. And I think we've talked a bit about it. So I don't know how much we have to go into, but we have been discussing doing short runs of campaigns so that we can try different things out, do different things. Also, so that I can write more swag stuff because I can play test different stuff that I've already written. And that just kind of lends itself to a drop-in, drop-out mentality for players so that people can kind of sign up and know that they're only going to be playing for like three months before there's a clean break. This is the first of those. Didn't start off this way. We were, we were about six or seven sessions in when I broached this as an idea, inspired by Stranger Things. And the idea that they can go away for a year and come back and you're just as excited. So we decided to do this with ETU. Everyone was super pumped. I think everyone was really getting the pace of their characters. And we went into this big climatic ending and everybody died except for one character who ran. I think we got down to the last two and someone was like, can we just call it? Like, this is depressing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, last two, who runs? And one person ran and one person stayed. Yeah, but I think even that person, I, I just don't see them getting out. I think we all died. In my mind, we all died. <laughs> all of us. So whether, so whether or not we actually end up going back to that game, I guess I will leave that up to a party vote. Well, you can't really go back to a game when everyone's dead unless you, recre- unless you create new characters, which I would be fine with because I, I did like the setting and I would be interested in seeing how the storyline plays out. That would be what I would do. As we would do new characters in the same story. So all of the consequences of your actions before anyone who was dead is now dead. 
and the same major arcing characters. So, what as a player was that session like? Painful <laughs> to my character, as in she died. You were the first one to die. I, I was. I was the first one to die. Uh, I think it was really, really exciting. The feel, I guess the vibe of it was really intense and it felt like there was a countdown, but in a good way. Kind of like when you watch a season finale of a TV show and it's really dramatic and, you know, this, the episode before ended on a cliffhanger. That's kind of the feeling it had going in. It was very dramatic. There was a sense of urgency, which was really fun. I think because the other episode, so the second to last, ended kind of on a cliffhanger, it meant that going in, we jumped right in. There was no preamble. There was no getting cozy. It was, all right, this happens now. Like we are, we are stopping something really bad from happening and we're doing it now. And we have a very limited time to do it. So it was very exciting, very dramatic, very fun, very fast paced. Even going into the combat was still really exciting. It was a little overwhelming when we entered and saw how many enemies we were up against. I, I wasn't quite sure how that was going to go, but I just assumed they were kind of like powerless minions that we would easily tackle. Just for people who are keeping up with the math at home, especially if you're familiar with Savage Worlds, we had a party of five novice players. They had three advances, so they weren't fresh out of the boat. In They were dealing with three extras who were uh, thugs, and I think Thug is from the ETU from the ETU setting book. So if you go in there and you look up Thug, you can see exactly what their stats were. Except that I took away Brawler because there were there was gonna be so many enemies. And then there were also three vampires, which I dropped level headed because of bookkeeping just to speed things up. And one kind of like leader of the cult who was a custom wildcard NPC from the campaign who had been there from the very first he was the very first NPC you guys had interacted with in the very first session. And so he was there and he was pretty much not in combat. He was basically performing a ritual. So that's the just numbers wise. So there was six sorry, seven enemies, five players. Of the enemies, four of them were wild cards and three were extras. But like I said, one of them was not really involved in combat. So three wild cards, three extras for five players. I think a huge factor was that we were just, for the most part, obviously there were some great successes, but I would say for the most part, my impression was that we were rolling really terribly that night. Uh, so we were all just really not rolling well at all, not even a success, let alone raises. And you were rolling exceptionally well. And more than that, you when when going into combat, you got the Joker twice, which dealt you out bennies for all of your guys. And you got to go kind of whenever you want. So just in terms of like the mechanics of what do you call it? The mechanics of combat, you just you were having so many successes and so many aids to help you. And we were very much hindered by our dice, which I mean, that that's kind of part of the fun of it is that you can strategize and come up with great ideas and build this really great character. But ultimately, you really are at the mercy of the dice a lot of times. I think also this was a real combat and we play such a narrative focused game. We care so much about story, at least I do. And I think all the players 
most of the players, maybe Shaggy is a little different, but most of the players I think feel the same way that I think this was very jarring and I intended it to be so. Probably the biggest mistake I made was a very classic GM mistake, which is that uh, more enemies means more drama. That just because there's more of a threat, it's like, oh, they're going to go in and they're going to see this and they're going to go, oh, now things are really serious, which on one hand is true. That is how you guys reacted. You walked in and you went, oh, no. I had been trying throughout the season as it was sorry if we if we say seasons and episodes it is how we tend to refer to our we games. think of our game like a tv show yeah so we all do it it's it, it started off thematically for our old etu game and it has stuck even when we're not playing etu well a season would be like a year in college so because it's etu it's east texas university and then each night that we play is an episode and the episodes are named. So when we kind of do a recap for the previous time that we played, it's like, okay, well, previously on episode such and such entitled such and such. So it's, it's very, it has a, a very TV show type of feel almost. Yeah. And, and that was the goal going into the finale, especially knowing we weren't going to come back to it for minimum three or four months, possibly, possibly longer. I had tried throughout the season to make it clear that there was stuff beyond your control. But what I think I've done really well throughout the season, what I didn't do well for this last episode was there was always serious combat. So you knew that threats were serious, but there was always a non-combat. Killing all the bad guys wasn't always the only way to win. One of the things that I think it felt like during the last the season finale was the only way to win was combat. And I think in one way by doing that, I kind of betrayed the game that we had been creating. And I, I am known as a dice fudger. I only fudged on one die roll <laughs> that whole uh, night. And I will not say which die roll it was that I fudged on. I will say that it was an enemy succeeding and I fudged and said that they failed. That happened one time in the entire night. <laughs> um, that's the big, I think, big problem going in. I think everyone was, I think everyone was pretty disappointed with how it all ended. Would you say, were you dis disappointed by how Ruth ended? Yeah. I mean, I was disappointed with a number of things and I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think there's a simple explanation. I think we were all disappointed probably for a variety of reasons. And I don't, you tend to kind of take the burden on as a GM all on yourself. And I'm not an expert in RPGs, but I think there were so many different factors. And sure, like the amount of characters that you had us encounter, the fact that it was uh, really heavy combat in a way that our characters hadn't really experienced before. Like, yes, okay, there were factors, things that you did that certainly contributed to the feel, but I think there were just so many things going on that night. I think that, you know, we weren't really sure where to proceed, how to proceed with dealing with this particular issue, but we knew that there was a time, uh, time constraint, so we were kind of just rushing there wasn't a lot of uh, role playing necessarily that happened before the big encounter and the big combat. And so it very much did feel like we were it was coming down to this moment. And I've watched TV shows that do this. So I, I immediately plugged into that kind of feel where it's like 
This is the last episode that we're going to be doing for a while. There's very much a countdown. There's a, there's a time crunch for solving this problem. It's going to be combat heavy. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be intense. And then it's going to end with a victory. Maybe somebody dies to prove the, the situation is serious. And boom, cue credits type of thing. But we started rolling poorly. We didn't have we didn't have a lot of role playing beforehand. And another thing that I said that night afterwards, which I mean, I'll mention again, is we rely heavily on Benny. So if we had been rolling poorly and we'd had Benny's throughout the night, I think that that might have made it a little bit different. I don't know if this is normal for savage worlds or if this is a you thing but you <laughs> reward you give out bennies for role-playing well i i do that is savage worlds based is role-playing your hindrances though yeah. i don't think i know a single gm who only gives you bennies for role-playing your hindrances well and is it typical in savage worlds for people to try and get bennies for other people or is that something that you did I'm sure it happens. Well, because the tables. they, they yeah. did it for saving throw with the the live thing at Gen Con. <laughs> they did. Uh, I, so when you're GMing, you have a lot going on. And of course, you're invested and you want to reward good role play and good opportunities and moments like that. But I tend to I've, I've realized sometimes that I'm really good at handing out like you're talking about. I'm really good at handing out bennies when we're like sitting around doing a role play session or a, a lot of RP. And I find when I start having to track stuff, I'm not as good. So I had said in the beginning, if you think that somebody else deserves a Benny, feel free to shout it out. Odds are I'll agree with you. Amanda, don't abuse it. Because I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm known for coming up with the most, the, the strangest, most bizarre reasons to for me to have a Benny or for someone else to have a Benny. It's which, kind of my thing. Which you did. At one point during the combat, Amanda looked at everyone who didn't have a Benny and she was like, uh, don't you think this person should have a Benny for this? Don't you think this person should and have a And I got them a Benny. Yeah. Um, so I think there were two different factors. So you tend to award Bennies for role playing well, whether it's a hindrance or what have you. We didn't have a lot of role playing opportunities. We kind of were looking for information and strategizing and then we went straight into combat there weren't a lot of opportunities for you to hand out bennies which you did you did hand out bennies but there weren't a lot of opportunities and so we very quickly ran out of bennies and once they were out they were kind of out and one thing I don't think our group is a lot of our group isn't really super familiar with um, Savage World. So that's a huge aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but we as a group, were not giving each other bennies as much as we m maybe could have. I think you would have been really lax if we had been, if we had all tried to give each other bennies, I think you probably would have let it fly just for the sake of enjoying the game. So I think those were two, two factors, particularly around bennies, is that you didn't give out as many as you might have normally. And we certainly weren't giving bennies out to each other as much as we could have. And so the fact that we didn't have bennies, enough bennies, let me say, we didn't have enough bennies. And then we were rolling horribly for the most part meant that there were a lot of punches or attempted tackles or what have you that were just not hitting it. They, we weren't taking out the kind of weak thugs and the vampires that you kind of weakened by taking what was the edge that you level-headed level-headed so yeah so you definitely 
made some adjustments to make them weaker, but they did not feel weak to me at all. I felt like we couldn't hit them for anything. And that was partially us not utilizing everything that we had, but also we just weren't rolling well and it just felt like we couldn't hit them. And so very early into combat, it felt impossible. It felt like, oh, this ship is sinking and no matter what we do, it's just going to keep sinking. And so it was that slow sink into the icy water that just kind of characterized a lot of that last uh, session or episode, if you will. Which, yeah, which is where I, I feel the most disappointed because it was supposed to be like a climax and it kind of fell flat. Now, I this is one of the only times that I, as a GM, feel a little bit of that envy that grass is greener on the other side uh, for those GMs who, and this is not a quality statement like this is not me saying one's better than the other I, I have my preferred way of gming but there are gms out there who are very much you know the gm's just another player at the table or you know i roll the dice and the dice roll where they are and if that's not what your thing this probably isn't your game and i'm not saying anything negative about people who run their games like that i think it's a totally valid way to run your game nine times out of ten 99 times out of a hundred that type of running a game to me is just like i have no interest in it there are times like this, though, <laughs> where I kind of feel a little bit of envy towards people who have that kind of uh, GM style because I personally, and we've talked about this on the show, I think when Chris was on the show, he and I talked about this, like I feel that that's an arbitration of GM responsibility. The GM is another player at the table. But that means that I take a lot more control than a lot of other GMs do. And when it works, we have these amazing sessions that are super memorable and everyone loves them. But... In a session like this, it means I also do take a lot more responsibility for the failure. And it's interesting because one of the things that made that fight feel like a slog and feel depressing, you're completely 100% right, was Benny's. And for people who are unfamiliar with Savage Worlds, this part might feel different for you. Think fate points or destiny points or whatever it is in the system that you prefer to play. But I have given the advice and heard the advice and know the advice ingrained in my soul as a Savage Worlds GM, which is if combat's feeling rough and slow, you're not giving out enough bennies. Keep the bennies flowing. It's all about the benny economy. If you go into the Savage Worlds Facebook group or if you go onto the unofficial Savage Worlds Discord and you say, hey, my character's having a, a problem with combat. Uh, the first thing that every single one is going to say to you is, well, how many bennies are you giving out? Because it's something you can do to control. And I... I think for the first time in a long time, I was overwhelmed in a combat. And I think it's because we do such combat-like games that having seven enemies, I just wasn't paying as much attention. I know there's some people at home that are just like, seven enemies, dude. You know, I run Weird Wars 2, and I have you know three different units of 15 on the enemy side. But those people, would you say, by and large, are playing in person with a battle mat or something like that? Because something to take into consideration when we're having this conversation about our game and that particular session and how it ended is that we... I was in the room with you, but everyone else was coming in through Discord. So we have and people... We, and we do everything theater of the mind. We don't use a virtual tabletop. Right. So there there was nothing on the table, which even if there were, it wouldn't have made a difference for the people that are in other states. 
there were actual people in other states <laughs> that were playing with us in that exact moment. Three different states. And <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think that normally that works beautifully because we role play and you're very descriptive. And so it works out wonderfully. I think where it got confusing is we aren't heavy on with combat. You're not heavy in, with combat as a GM. We as players, at least for Savage Worlds, we don't do heavy combat type things, at least in this particular uh, world. And so, you know, all of a sudden there's this big combat and you have a lot of characters that you're playing or NPCs or, you know, whatever the correct term is. So you have all of these different people that you're juggling with their stats and remembering who's shaken and who's has wounds and all of those different things and hindrances and all of that. You're trying to keep all of that in mind. And then there's five of us. And then there's all of a sudden all of these enemies. And I know for some people, it probably seems like nothing, but for us, it was a lot. And so I think one of the things that I found really confusing at first is I didn't know where anyone was. And I think when we first walked into the scene, you were very descriptive about what everything looked like, where everyone was, but then chaos ensues and we're all moving in different places and we're engaging with different people. And I think it became really hard with just pure theater of the mind to know who was where and to keep track of it. And so we weren't being as strategic with our attacks. And I think we might have made different different decisions with who we attacked and how we did it if we could have seen it. That was certainly because I thought something that helped me was when I started just sketching it down on a random piece of paper. And then I was the obnoxious one who kept asking, OK, well, where's this person and, and how many wounds did they have? And OK, where is this person now? OK, well, where is this person in relation to this other person? And I kept asking those kinds of questions so that with a pencil, I could kind of erase and move people as needed and keep track of which enemy was shaken, which enemy was distracted, like all of those different things. And so I think there were a lot of different, I mean, obviously I can't speak for the other players, but I think there were a lot of different things that contributed to this session feeling really disappointing and lacking. As a GM, I've been kind of obsessing. Uh, some some might say obsessing. Oh, yeah. About this and trying to figure out where I went wrong. And so I've narrowed it down to a couple of things. One is I don't know if thematically the type of combat that I planned was appropriate for the game we had been playing. So I think that might be number one mistake. Number two, Benny's, which we've already kind of covered. Number three, which is what we were just talking about. Someone said, you know, like, I like the fact that we've been doing theater of the mind. I think it gives us a lot more freedom and it's been great thematically for the show. Or, sorry. <laughs> Again, we, we for we our just, TV show that for we're our running. TV show that we are, <laughs> we are running. Um, but for the, for the way that we play, it fits a lot. But when we get into a situation like this, would it be possible to maybe look at doing a virtual tabletop? Because I wasn't able to follow what was going on. And I think everyone was in that boat. I, I had, think people would have made different decisions if they, uh, if they could have seen and known exactly what was going on. Because I, I just want to say the people that we play with are so much fun to play with. Like, mm -hmm. I just think that they're so good with role playing and making decisions and really getting in character. And I have had such a blast playing with this group. 
and they make really great decisions. And so I think they might have made different decisions if they'd had a better understanding. And I think at one point we all started feeling like it was hopeless. And so when you start to feel hopeless, it's like, well, then, um, okay, I guess I try to hit this person. No. Okay. Well, cool. And then you're not trying as hard and you're not getting creative. You just kind of feel defeated and you stop thinking of ways to to kind of solve the issue or or do the fun thing which is never what i want because then you just sorry to all of you out there who play but then it just feels like dnd and i don't like dnd <laughs> for that reason i i've tried multiple dnd games from good gms and good groups and that's what I don't like about D&D is it just becomes, oh, is it my turn? I rolled a hit. Okay, it's not. Okay, cool. That's your perception of D&D. That's how I... Loads f- of people love D&D. I know. That's how I feel when I play it. You know, I think it does bear saying, because I know we're probably running out of time, that all of these things that we've brought up are valid. And I'm sure the other players could have other things to contribute for ways that they thought it went downhill. And I think you're exceptionally hard on yourself for what was a bad session. I'm sure that if you talked to other GMs, they would all say, oh, yeah, no, I had a really crappy session or I had a hell crappy campaign that I played or that I ran because it's a learning curve. And so you're never going to do it perfectly all the time. You're going to make mistakes. I look back on the way that I played with different campaigns and I cringe because I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't see how I was making it less fun for the players or I was being antagonistic with the GM. You know, there were just so many things that like, as I look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. And so we all make mistakes and we all learn. And something that Shaggy said was that he was really bummed about his character dying and it's because he'd grown attached to his character. And so that's something to kind of bear in mind is, were we all really disappointed with that session? Yes, we were. Like, we're not we're not going to lie to ourselves. That was a really disappointing session. But we all, con- like, there were so many different factors that contributed. It was not as simple as, oh, well, the GM messed up this thing. Like, we, there were, we all contributed. There were, all, there were different factors. And end of the day, we loved these characters and we loved the story. And I think how disappointed we were really speaks to that because we had high expectations. We'd had great experiences and we were really, really stoked about this. And so it bears mentioning that all of the other episodes before were fun and really, really exciting. And we really grew attached to these characters. And so I think our disappointment really shows that we had a great time before, because if it had been awful from the get go, it would have been like, oh, all our characters died. Bummer. Well, I guess (laughs) we're done playing now while secretly going, yay, we're free. Finally, we're done with this (laughs) god awful game. So I think how disappointed we were really speaks to how much we'd love the characters. And that's something that Shaggy said. And I think that that really bears repeating because this has been a really great campaign. And so we need to bear that in mind when we're talking about this one episode that was awful. (laughs) I only had like one or two more things. The beginning of the session worked for you. Cause I had a player who said that, and I'm, I'm, I won't call anyone out by name. (laughs) You're not going to call anyone out. (laughs) I'm not going to call anyone out by name. You know who you are and you're not calling them out. You know that I love you so much. It's not you. (laughs) I do love you so much as well. They they said that the beginning kind of felt like they didn't get to do that. None of the players really got to do what they wanted to do and that they were trying to figure out what I wanted them to do. And oh. in a way, I totally the moment they said that I totally understood why they felt that way, because my goal in this beginning was to go, 
was twofold. Number one is that I did not expect this to become a two-parter. <laughs> so we were already behind in, in terms of pacing in my mind. And this this campaign has been hardcore as far as pacing goes. Like I try to be done in two and a half hours. We're usually done by three three hours in at the latest. So it's it's a crazy pace. But that was one part of it. And the second one was I wanted you guys to feel a little out of control. Like this is going to happen. You only have so much to do because one of the things that I don't like is when as a GM you're trying to build tension and like something world changing is coming and then the players are like, well, should we do this? Well, let's try this. If this doesn't work, we'll try that. And they just, and, and players go on for a while and it does mean I'm taking agency away from the players. I, that's what I was going for. And it sounds like for you it worked, uh, but it didn't work for everybody. I can, now that you're saying that, I can see why that person would make that comment. It's not something that I honestly picked up on in the moment. And it's not the first thing that came to my mind at the end of the session when we were talking about, okay, well, this was disappointing. Why was it disappointing? That was not the first thing that came to mind, but that is interesting. And I can absolutely see why that person would say that. I will say on a positive note, I do like how you try to set the tone. Um, and so when we are in combat, cause we have been in combats before when we are in combat, it does feel it feels like we're in it. And that's something that uh, Jordan does on saving throw for with ETU. You know, it's like, okay, so you're doing this. Okay, great. And then if someone hesitates for too long or it obviously isn't sure, he goes, do you want to go on hold? Okay, great. And so it's, it's not being rude. It's just kind of trying to keep that feeling of urgency and excitement. And it really sets the tone in a really great way. And I love that. And that's kind of what I assumed you were doing was you were trying to, you wanted us to feel the urgency of the situation. We were guided, but me as a player, I, I like a GM that is what, what would be the word for it? Uh, structured. More structured, more Railroading kind Railroading of, would be a term some people Yeah, use. you can definitely, it's a very fine line for me because you can definitely go a hair's breadth too far and just be super, super controlling. Mm -hmm. But I do like a GM that is more controlling. That's my personal preference. And so you definitely were doing that, but it wasn't something that I reacted to negatively in the moment. Um, and I, I wonder if I had, and, I, and I, I've said this before, I wonder if I had taken the time to set it up because you know me and you know how I run. So I think you just kind of assumed you knew what I was doing and I assumed everyone else would know what I was doing. And I think if I had just taken a second in the beginning and said, you know, it's crunch time, something bad is going to happen and you only have so much time to figure that out. So what I would like to do is use this so that we can keep tension high moving forward. I wonder some, cause I am the, the communication GM uh, if it, you know everyone who listens to this show or hears me on, you know when I'm over on Gamers Table, I think I say it three times an episode, or else Eric cuts the lights. Um, but I am very big on communication, and I miss that. And you know the second thing that really I'm kicking myself on is when the combat stopped being fun for everybody involved. I wish I had stopped and just said, "This is what this feels like." How are you guys feeling? Do you want to keep going? Where do we want to stop? Where do we want to you know, draw a line? How can we make this fun? And a player had to say it. And that, that for me as a GM feels very much like a failure that I couldn't recognize that like, I didn't recognize that this, this, this duck was cooked um, and someone else <laughs> had to do it. And so those are the two, two 
so those are two more things that I think um, learn from me because I'm always a fan of like, and I've talked about this before again, a hundred times. I'm always a fan of just talk to your players, just ask your players. And it's, I think that's where I'm the most frustrated is finding all of these mistakes that I made that are mistakes that I know better. I know that the bending economy is important. I know that more enemies does not make something more dramatic. I know that I should be checking in with my players more often and I didn't do those things. And that is why I think I'm so hard on myself. As you would put it, I would say I am accurately hard on myself. You know what though? (laughs) These conversations and these are conversations that you have had with the other players. So this isn't just us kind of Mm -hmm. knocking around ideas and reflections, you know, in an empty vat. Like this is, this is something that you have talked about with the other players. Um, and something we kind of talked about right after the session, we had a brief, a brief kind of recap of how's everyone feeling? Not good. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) cool. Me either. Honestly, it makes me excited for the next time that we come back to ETU. Because now we're going to go to a lighthearted, very role play heavy, very pro player post-apocalyptic game. (laughs) We're going to go to the, we're going to go from this to one of the grimmest genres. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm even looking past the post-apocalyptic game and I'm excited about going back to ETU because I think, you know, the last one was always excited to go back to ETU. (laughs) Yes. But the last one was a bit of a disappointment. I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned and, and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a setting that we've all come to love. We were really attached to our characters. I think this is, this has opened up a lot of good discussion and dialogue. And so rather than me being like, Oh great, we have to go back and do that again. Like, okay. Yes. There was one bad, one bad session, but now we get to go back. We get to recreate new characters. I think this is going to make us even more open with each other about what we want out of this and how we can do better. And because there's that communication and we can learn from mistakes, it's only going to get better. So I'm excited about going back to ETU for the very reasons that I think you're kind of concerned. I mean, if you want to end on a hopeful note, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm excited about ETU. I love the group that we're playing with. I love having you as a GM Yes, it was a super sucky uh, session, but I think us learning from it is only going to make the subsequent sessions better. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for trying to cheer me up. No problem. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gaming with Gage. If you have ideas for upcoming guests, want to chat with the cast, or a chance to play in some of our games, you can find our Discord link in the show notes. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash gaminghwithgage and on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at GamingWGage. Your support makes this show a reality week after week. One of the best ways to help out is to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We read all of them, and sometimes we even read them on the air. We look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, but until then, we'll see you next week.